Welcome to Published, a podcast by Greenleaf Book Group, where we'll discuss the ins and outs of the publishing industry, from writing a book and finding the right publisher, to gearing up for a book launch. And now, here's your host, Greenleaf Book Group CEO, Tanya Hall. Welcome back to Published. Today, we're joined again by Greenleaf's legal counsel, Guy Muller, to discuss the ramifications of recent legal decisions about AI-produced work. The rising popularity and accessibility of AI generation tools has made them unavoidable. In episode 76, we discussed the benefits and drawbacks of using tools like ChatGPT to help you write a book, but today we're digging into the legal considerations. Guy will explain the most recent developments related to copywriting books produced with AI in the U.S. and address everything authors need to know about protecting themselves and their work. Stick around until the end of the episode where I'll read the names of our five-star reviewers. If you enjoy our show and you'd like to be included, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. It means a lot to have your feedback and it helps us to make sure we're answering your publishing questions. Now let's dive into the interview. All right, Guy, welcome back to Published. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me back after the last time. Absolutely. You're a fan favorite. <laughs> I hope so. so. Yeah, you've been on the podcast before, but for those who maybe missed that awesome episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm general counsel over here at Greenleaf Book Group. Uh, for people that don't know what that means, I generally counsel Greenleaf on all things legal, um, everything in the legal department, um, contracts, intellectual property, all the fun stuff that nobody else wants to handle. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you do it very well, by the way. So one of the things that we like to talk about a lot at Greenleaf and lately, given certain developments in technology have warranted the frequent discussions, AI, AI generated content, especially, of course, in the last few years, there's just been a surge of AI content, and it has its own implications, certainly from a legal perspective, particularly around copyright. So can you bring us up to speed on the latest developments regarding copyright and AI-generated content? Yeah, for sure. It's all it's all been real fascinating and uh, stuff that I've, I've just, I've loved seeing where it's going. It's, um, it's really neat. Um, the, and just to give a, a little preface, um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and cite case law. I think that's super boring. Even for me as a lawyer, I don't like to hear it. And I know most people don't want to hear it. So I'm just going to talk to everybody like, like, you know, I'm talking to my sister, my brother, you know, something like that. So, um, and if you got any questions about any of this stuff along the way, let me know. Um, I'm going to try to keep it chill and non-legalese. But the main thing that we've seen the last couple of years especially here really recently with ChatGPT, MidJourney, those types of generative AI, is whether or not the outputs, the stuff that people use those tools to and create, whether or not under copyright law, that's considered human authorship. Of course, there's a lot of things that go into copyright law, but the nuts and bolts and the main thing that, that I'm going to talk about today is whether or not that's human authorship. You know, traditionally speaking, copyright covers original works of authorship that are fixed in a tangible medium of expression. There's so many different elements in that and, and different legal principles that go in there and tons of case law analyzing just that, that one little phrase. But really what, what we're looking at here is what is a work of authorship and, and what would constitute that? Over the years, in, in way even before generative AI was out, the Copyright Office and the courts have decided that in order to have actual authorship of a work that would qualify for a copyright, 
it must be created by a human. It must be human authorship. There's cases in the past of things like, you know, monkeys taking photographs with a, a camera, whether or not they could be considered an author and get copyright. There's even been cases of people that somehow, you know, claim to uh, have spoken to a non-human spiritual being like God uh, or something and actually saying and, and going and filing a copyright application for these works saying that it's actually authored by this non-human spiritual being. And the courts have always rejected things like that. It said, hey, you know, it doesn't work like that. We get it. We appreciate it. But, you know, this has to be authored by a human. So it's those elements. It, it's that case law, that precedent that has has really decided, at least right now, how, how the Copyright Office is handling works that are being applied in, in trying to get, get copyright protection that have been created with Generative AI, such as MidJourney again or ChatGPT. So what they've done is they said, hey, you know what? We get it. There's a human that, that might sit down and put inputs into these tools. Tanya, if you're like, hey, I want to write a new book, a follow-up to my book, like, hey, ChatGPT, give me an idea. Write this book for me. And that thing spits it out. A lot of people are like, well, hell, you just said human authorship, man. That means me as a human, I sat down and I just used this tool and it came up with it. So I'm the author, Right. But the Copyright Office and case law said, no, that, it doesn't work like that. And really, the, the distinction is in how these tools actually operate, how they're designed. For instance, mid-journey, a user sits down, they put in the request, this prompt, and then mid-journey then takes it and it doesn't necessarily analyze it. It doesn't listen to us like a human would, right? It, it doesn't understand what we're saying. It just takes it and it's these data points. And then it, it somehow takes that and it calculates it and it, it converts it into these sub data points that via its algorithm, it then tries to match it and then just spits out something that, that it thinks is going to match, right? The copyright office, they look at that stuff and they're like, hey, that's cool. This is how it works. But the thing is, is they're like, there's not enough what they consider creative control to be human authorship. They acknowledge, they say, yes, you might be able to put in this information and you might be able to influence these outputs by these machines. But at the end of the day, that's not enough creative control under the wall to actually rise to the level of something that, that would be qualified for a copyright. A lot of people will look at that and they're like, well, what the hell is the difference then between this tool that I'm using and something like a, a, a camera? or recording equipment, something like that. Cause those are tools too, right? Like, like that stuff is uh, like, I'm using it and it's, I'm actually not making that photograph. It's the camera, right? Like what, what's the difference here? And the difference in those in the copyright office says, and, and the case law says that once again, it's in that creative control with these machines, mid journey, chat GPT, you cannot actually dictate the outcome of the input that you put into it. Um, you have no idea. You, you, you put it in there and it's just going to create whatever the hell it wants. And you really have no idea. Whereas with the camera, you know, it, it's it's completely different because that tool right there, you know, I could go in, you know, say I'm at the beach, you know, the beautiful Texas beaches, <laughs> the, the most pristine beaches in the world. And I'm sitting there with the camera and I'm like, I really want to take a photograph of this. And there's a palm tree over there and there's like a fishing boat in the background. I can sit there and I can look at it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to hold the camera up. I can look through it and I can see, I can angle it and I can zoom in. I can choose to blur certain things, adjust the light settings and, and completely dictate how that's going to end up. And whenever I hit that button, boom, it snaps it exactly as I designed it, right? That's a big time difference between what we get with ChatGPT and MidJourney. And I think anybody that's used it knows that. 
So, so that's really where it lies is the creative control behind the actual user. And the fact that whatever you put into them, you, you really don't know what's going to come up with, regardless of how many times you put it. And you can influence it over and over and over again. But as a copyright office made clear, that's a, a mere mechanical process and it doesn't have sufficient amount of human authorship to qualify for copyright. I mean, that's fascinating. And I think a lot of authors would probably wonder, okay, that that's one use, right? To ask it, like you said, Tanya, it wants a new book, right? The new book for Tanya versus generating the ideas that you then may use as a basis for something else. So how does, let's say, idea generation play into all of this? And are there any concerns there in terms of copyrightability, if that's a word? <laughs> in general, ideas alone are not copyrightable anyway. Let's say if I'm like, hey, Tanya, you should you should write this new book and it should be about this, this and this and whatever. And if you go out and you actually write that book and you do it yourself, I don't get to copyright that idea. I don't own that. Ideas are not copyrighted. You actually created it. So it's kind of the same with these machines. It's like asking your friend or something that, you know, has this infinite knowledge, you know, give me an idea for a book. And if it spits out an idea and then you go in and you actually put your, your own human authorship on top of that, then that's a-okay. It doesn't have to just be idea generation. It, it can be a lot more than that. It can be plot developments, character, you know, storylines. Of course, you can use it for research for all kinds of stuff too for your book. You can use these tools. The main thing is, is whatever you use, whatever outputs it generates, you can't just take that output and expect to get a copyright on it. Because again, not human authorship. It's simple in theory, but it gets really complex when you apply this stuff. Because you're like, all right, cool, I can't get it. But if I go in and I put my human stuff on top of it, how much human stuff do I need to put on top of it? What would make that human authorship? Does a 180 and goes back to original analysis of what is a copyright and what it qualifies for it. And you go to the original works of authorship again. And you're like, all right, well, you know, what's original? How creative does it have to be? So then you can take this element. The copyright office and copyright law lets you take these things that are otherwise not eligible for copyright protection. And you can put your own creativity on top of it and you can, you can mix it, you can match it, you can take whatever you want um, and you can develop it further, put your own human touch on it, your own creative spark. And that stuff that you put on, on top of that, that actually could be copyrighted. Uh, because, you know, even though it's based on this idea, based on something that wasn't initially able to be protected, you know, anything else on top of it, it could be. It's important for authors to know that that these types of tools, they can be used to generate ideas. They can be used as, as some kind of tool to help them to further create. They cannot just take it and, and use it and go and publish it and then get a copyright for it. Of course, you could if you wanted, but it wouldn't be able to get copyrighted. So when an author submits for their copyright registration, are they prompted to disclose that certain sections were authored, quote unquote, by AI? And then if that is the case and they don't disclose it, what could happen? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So you you are required to, dis, uh, to disclaim portions that's not... Uh, 
created by human or anything that, that would not be copyrightable. So yes, you are supposed to do that. And so if you did do it, so the copyright office is kind of funky in how it works. They're like, hey, we got all these rules, but it's this huge honor system for the most part up front. They generally, they will not fact check you. They will take everything that you put into your uh, your application as fact. You know, just hope so. Like they hope that you're actually being honest and uh, ethical about that. But if they did find out, and there's cases of this where people have applied for copyrights, like one specific case is, uh, is like a graphic novel or comic book type of thing where they did not disclose that the images in this comic book were created by AI, by Midjourney. The text was was all human. It was all authored by a human, all original, but they didn't, they didn't put any of that stuff in the application. And then of course, copyright office is like, all right, cool. Hey, that's awesome, man. We're going to take uh, your your information. We're going to take all this as fact, and you know, we're going to trust you. And they granted a copyright. Subsequently, I don't know how exactly this worked or how they found out, but the the author had posted online that I guess in promoting this comic book that the images were created by AI that they use Midjourney for this. I don't know if if the copyright office has has people out there that go and monitor this stuff online or if somebody tipped them off, but they somehow got wind of this. And they actually went back to this author and they said, hey, we just became aware of this stuff via these statements on social media that the images uh, were created by AI was not authored by a human. However, we saw that in your application, you did not disclaim that and you did not tell us that. So what we're going to do is, unless within 30 days or so, that you can actually give us information and show that you created these, that there is the sufficient level of human authorship, or at least the creative component on top of these machine-generated images. They said, what we're going to do is we're not going to say the whole thing is not copyrighted. We're going to cancel your copyright, and we're going to issue another one that says... You get a copyright for the text only and all the creative stuff, but it's going to specifically disclaim, it's going to be on public record that it does not include these AI images. And it's something that's uh, that's also, you know, one of these complex things that kind of goes on top of this. They said, however, uh, you can also uh, get a copyright for your arrangement, your selection, your coordination of all these things, these AI images you know, since you put it, you arranged it all in a creative way within this book, you can get a copyright that covers that, but you, it will not say that you actually have a copyright on the actual images themselves. Um, so then of course, you know, in that case, they, they, the author got an opportunity to respond and they did, and then they ended up canceling the old copyright and then issued another one disclaiming all the AI generated material. Hmm. So to be clear though, the Let's say you used Midjourney and created some fantastical monster and <laughs> that was in your graphic novel. And now we understand that the person who generated that cannot copyright it. But is that image subject to any other like is it copyright of the software company that developed Midjourney or are they at risk of any kind of a, a violation because it actually belongs to someone else who could potentially make a claim? Those outputs in general, uh, based on what I've seen, they they would not belong to say Midjourney or OpenAI, the, the company that created ChatGPT. The reason is, uh, even though that they're the author, technically would have authored it, um, even if it wasn't human authorship, their terms of use usually say, hey, whatever you put in, the outputs that are generated based on your inputs, we are assigning all right and title and interest of that over to you. So, so there is a distinction between copyright. Just because you don't, you, you're not eligible for a copyright, doesn't mean you don't own it. 
So you would still own that image, but just not copyrighted and something that you would not be able to enforce a copyright on. This is one of those things I'm going to have to put the disclaimers out and be like, I'm not your lawyer. Uh, If you have any questions about this stuff, please, for the love of God, do yourself a favor. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Go talk to somebody that is legally bound and ethically bound to represent your interests and will do so uh to, to the, their best abilities in, in general I, I just i don't think that the outputs constitute copyright infringement in order to to enforce a copyright hey there's got to be valid copyright and then there's got to be substantial copying there's got to be actual copying of of uh that copyrighted material these tools generative ai chat gpt midjourney i have not seen anything where they're actually copying anything they are masters at imitating and emulating other works. Like they they take this data set that they have and they can emulate all kinds of things based on your input. Like, you know, if you wanted to write a follow-up to your book and said, hey, write this book, uh, my, my follow-up in uh, the voice of Ernest Hemingway and mm-hmm. or Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut is my favorite author. So uh, I, I always like using his example. So, um, you know, they got very distinct styles, right? And if uh, if all of a sudden somebody if it generates this material and it's like, oh, my God, like the the prose and like just the word choices, um, the structure, the flow, if everything, if it's like, you know, it, it kind of does, you know, seem like Vonnegut wrote it or if you ask it Hemingway, you know, I think that's emulation. And uh, and I don't think that that is copying. It, I think that it's very similar to what if you asked me to do it, if you asked me, you said, hey, I want you to write this, uh, write my next book for me. Um, be my ghostwriter, and I want you to write it how, how you think Ernest Hemingway or Kurt Vonnegut might have written it, or you know any of these books, the authors of these books behind me might have wrote it. So me, in uh, you know my infinite wisdom, you know I taken all this stuff that I have and all the books that I've read in the past. If I then use that and I imitate and I, I write that material based on the imitation, I don't think that that's actual copy. Um, now. I don't want to discourage anybody if they think that they might have a claim um, or I don't want anybody thinking that they're completely in the clear. It's still possible because just like, you know, almost everything in the law, it's a case by case basis. Um, just because I haven't seen it actually copy anything doesn't mean that that it hasn't happened before. And it doesn't mean that it's not possible that however it's data works or something, that it actually generates something that could look substantially similar to a copyrighted work. So, if you have a question about that, I say, please just, yeah, go talk to a copyright lawyer and see, because it, it is possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible. It is possible that it could infringe on somebody's copyright and that you could enforce a claim against somebody uh, for your original works of authorship. Um, or on the flip side, even worse, somebody might come out and try to enforce that against you. Another concern that comes up from authors is the potential that these tools themselves are plagiarizing mm-hmm. from other sources, authors, especially who who do have a copyright on that work. So I guess that's a, a double-barreled question coming up. <laughs> How, even if that piece can't be copyrighted that you generate an AI and, and you don't own it, and yet you can't copyright it, you, you might be having some false comfort in thinking that there's no potential claim out there. When, if that is the case, that maybe... OpenAI has in its in its efforts to educate this big beast <laughs> and give it all of this information to work from that it's ingested the work of other authors and then is regurgitating that work, which, you know, I guess it, it could be plagiarism if it came out verbatim. 
So the first question is, how would you check against that, I suppose? And then my second piece, if you're an author, how do you protect yourself against your work suddenly being spit out as an answer in chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of your second one. It could be kind of cool. Like I would love to have a <laughs> work out there where it's like, Oh my God. Like, like it said the right in the voice of Guy Muller and it has a weird, you know, twang to it somehow, or like, you know, a funky word choice. I think it'd be cool. You know, I think I've told you I've asked it to rewrite something in my voice and I was borderline offended. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but just so everybody knows now, like you know, I use I use ChatGPT a lot, and I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. But there was a time I was writing something for you, and I was like, I drafted the email or or this this draft exactly how I would have written it, and then I actually asked ChatGPT. I plugged it in, and I said, write this like Tanya Hall, and you were not amused. <laughs> you were like, no, it does not. That does not sound like me. Um, that was hilarious. And then I remember you actually went with mine and I was like, dang, I beat chat GPT. Yeah, I do remember this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, I guess also in a weird way, I was like, I beat Tanya Hall, according to the chat GPT. <laughs> um, so that was cool. But um, so so as far as a, the, I'll go back to the first question, um, the plagiarism thing, the first and foremost, plagiarism it, is not against the law. It, it's a it, th- there's a difference between plagiarism and copyright. Uh, plagiarism itself is not actually against the law, even though it could be an ethical thing. In general, it's like plagiarism is taking somebody else's ideas without correctly crediting that person, whereas copyright is actually copying or um, you know doing something to somebody's original work of authorship um, without permission. And that's a very, very basic nutshell uh, you know, comparison there. There is no claim for, for plagiarism here. Um, so, so there's nothing to look out for with that. As far as the copyright goes, um, you know, it's, it's like I, I, I mentioned before, it is possible, even though I don't think it's probable, at least right now with how all these tools work, uh, that you have to look out for. But with the, your second question about how an author could pr- possibly protect their works from being fed into this big data set that these machines are trained on. I don't know exactly if there is a foolproof way of ensuring your work is not. Uh, I feel like if it's if it's somewhere available on the internet, then these companies, uh, I feel like they're going to somehow get their hands on it and they're going to try to use it. And I don't know how you would ever know whether or not it was used. But something that I've seen uh, actually from the Authors Guild, which you've heard me recommend the Authors Guild in a variety of situations. I think it's a great resource for authors. Everybody needs to check it out. The Authors Guild actually has this recommendation that I agree with. And if you are concerned about it, then on your copyright page, if you don't want your book to be used um, as, as part of this data set without permission, then you can put uh, kind of like a disclaimer on there and you could say something along the lines of not for AI use or, you know, you can elaborate on the contents of your book is not to be used for any sort of data set training for any generative AI um, or any similar tools and things like that. Now, whether or not that's going to stop uh, a lot of this, the, these tools and these companies from actually going out and scraping that data somehow and taking it, yeah, I, I don't think that that's enough. I don't know exactly how these tools work, but I don't think that there's any mechanism in place that's analyzing that on any of these books. Or God forbid, they got some poor intern sitting in their <laughs> office that's like looking at it and going, oh my God, no, this one book right here has this disclaimer. We better take it out of our data set. I don't think that's there. But I do think it, it gives you legs to stand on and arguments to be had and, and, and decent you know, claims 
uh, to be made against these companies if it turns out that your book and your material, if you're able to find out with certainty that it actually was included in the data set and you did have that disclaimer on your copyright page, then I think you could say, hey, you go to OpenAI, you know, hypothetically and say, look, I had this disclaimer, man, what the hell y'all doing taking my book? I said, no. Like, if you want to use it, um, then you've got to go out and get a license from me, la, 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 whatever. And then, you know, I think if you press them enough, they might take it out. Um, I also, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they can't, maybe it's one of those things. Once that bell is wrong, can't be on wrong. Um, it might be in that data set forever, but, but I do think it's at least something that you should consider and, and maybe do to at least give yourself some, some kind of arguments to be had in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. And I don't think I have that in my book, so I'll add it in the next reprint. <laughs> hey, there you go. So, okay, we've talked about the book itself and or an author who's working on a book and sort of these, these uh, general guidelines and lines you shouldn't cross when tinkering with AI. But what about using it in other capacities as you're going about promoting your book, for instance? I know people who use AI tools. Um, there are some actually really good ones that are designed for developing content. And they use them to churn out social media posts, for instance. Are there any concerns about using AI in that way? Uh, are you talking about concerns that are related to the book's copyright by any chance? Or just like in general? Copyright and and just getting into any kind of trouble. I mean, imagine, I think there's an, there's an ethics argument and then there's probably the legal argument, right? I feel like you would probably want to disclose that, but then it also undercuts your credibility as a writer a bit. So yeah. just curious your thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's a conundrum. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's okay. It, it, there's, there's no requirement as far as the copyright goes. Um, let's say if, if your work actually was, you know, if you got a copyright on it because it was created by a human or if um, even if it wasn't, if uh, if you had enough human elements in it to actually get copyright protection for those human elements, even if the copyright didn't protect everything, um, you know, subsequently going out and promoting the book and using AI as a tool to to help boost sales and and get awareness out there, no problems. There's I, I don't think the copyright office is going to be like I mean, you can't ever use AI related to this thing. Now you're going to lose it. Like I, I just don't think it's, it it doesn't work like that. So that's okay. As far as the the other considerations go, the ethical stuff and any other requirements, I think it really might come down to the individual platform that you're posting this content on. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say one of these days, I'm not aware of any of this right now, but let's say someday it becomes rampant and it's a problem. There's so much AI um, and AI generated content all over the place that that Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all this stuff has to put these rules into place and say, hey, we need to put a stop on this. We're no longer going to allow any AI created content or materials posted on our websites, on our platforms. In that case, yeah, you probably need to look out. You got to watch out for it. And then, or you need to at least disclose it because I'd imagine before it gets to that, there, there'll probably be a disclosure requirement just to protect consumers or you know give them knowledge, something like that. Uh, as far as I know, there's nothing like that right now. Um, you know, I, I know that there is something with Amazon. If an author does submit a, an AI generated book, they do have to disclose it. Cause I think the last I saw it was like, you're limited to posting like, or, or uploading like three books a day that are AI generated. And I'm, I, I just kind of laugh. Cause I'm like, 
I'm like, that's hilarious. Like, can you imagine someone just cranking out books like that and just posting them on, on Amazon and Amazon just being flooded with all this? And, and so I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Like, you know, so you do need to disclaim it in, in certain situations, but that is a a platform specific thing to consider. Or even, you know, your own, you know, you as the author, you might want to disclose that. Your publisher might require it in certain situations. As far as the law goes right now, there's nothing that I've seen that that would actually require you to do that. Yeah. When you talked about this, the potential for a proliferation of AI generated uh, books, especially since we talk about books on this particular podcast. So, I mean, do you, if you can take out your crystal ball, do you have some thoughts on, you know, what this might look like in the future as far as AI generated content and the implications on uh, real human authors in the future. Glad you asked, because I, lo- I love nothing more than to speculate about the future. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, how much time we got? Because I need like four or five hours. To <laughs> this. I'm not too concerned, about. I know there's so many people that are very concerned about the publishing industry as a whole, that, that are concerned about people not wanting to create anymore, about this stuff ruining it. And I just, I don't see that. I don't think that's going to happen at all. The The way that I can see it and, and see how this stuff turns out is that we get a new genre of book, AI generated books, AI author books, and even AI, they might even be companies like AI publishing companies and, and di- distribution companies that it's all AI. And there's just some, you know, random teenager in the background, you know, giving out these prompts that's able to run this whole thing um, like this huge, massive uh, enterprise. I, I think at some point, will have a disclosure requirement and that will create a new genre you where you go into barnes and noble you go down to half price books anywhere else you go to amazon and you you start searching you're like you know what these ai books are fascinating the, the you know the stuff that it's able to generate is is really creative or i just really like the style of it and people can choose to read that stuff I think it's kind of cool. I would, I would probably read a couple, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to completely get rid of actual real life people, real humans writing books and the demand from real humans wanting books written by real humans. I, I think that AI is not able to come anywhere close to, to replicating the actual human experience. Again, it's imitating it based on data. It's like, hey, this is what we think it likes. Maybe it gets really good at it sometime in the future. I just don't think that it can actually truly replicate human empathy, emotion, compassion, the human connection, the human experience, right? And so it, even if it does, even if it can, and, and let's say let's say if we have requirements where at least AI generated content, it must be disclosed. And then that way you always know if it's written by, I think that us as a human, we always will like, at least on some level, to read something that we know is written by another human, because I, I feel like the words didn't have more meaning. Let's say if, if you got two books side by side, same content, same structure, and you're like, this one's written by an AI machine. And it's like, oh my God, it's tugging at the heartstrings. It's it's a tearjerker over here. Um, it's got a lot of relatable experiences. Um, you know, that can be that can be fine and dandy. That can be great. But if you read another book knowing that a human wrote that. And and it's got you know same similar even let's say it's not even as good of a writing as that hit that that AI generated one I think there's something special about reading that knowing that another human wrote that I feel like there's a different connection to that it's important to 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 keep fostering that and keep encouraging people to write books despite the fact that an AI machine can write a whole you know 800 page novel 
in, you know, three seconds. Um, it, I don't think it should discourage anybody and be like, I'm never going to write again. People are always going to want to express themselves. Um, even if it's not going to be commercialized the same, you know, not all art is, is intended to be commercialized like that. So I, I think, I don't think it's ever going to ruin that, that creative spirit in humans. Um, but I do think that, that at some point I'm going to shift kind of back over to the law. Now, I, I think that we do need to update our laws to account for this. Um, and it's inevitable. It's got to happen at some point. The the thing that that really stinks, though, is that technology, especially right now, it's advancing faster than we've ever seen it. And the law, it seems like, is actually developing and advancing slower than we've ever seen it. <laughs> and so, uh, and historically, I mean, the law always has to catch up to to the times, right? It, it always has to. So we need people that actually. Um, that, that can advocate for new laws and changes to, to these, these rules and systems to account for how people are using these tools, uh, to have laws that are relevant to how people are using them and consuming them, um, and then you know to protect consumers from certain stuff, misrepresentation. And I think it's important for all of us creatives to be a part of that. I don't think it should just be the, the folks that like open AI or mid-journey. I don't think it should be them that are the ones that are like giving all the input to the lawmakers about this because God knows, you know, our lawmakers probably don't know half of how any of this stuff is working. I mean, most people don't. I'm not. That's not a jab at any any politician or anything. But it's got to be hard to understand, especially how fast it's advancing. And so naturally, you would think, all right, well, they're going to ask the developers of this, how does it work? And then they're going to tell them. But I think it's important for us authors, creatives, musicians, people to go out and have voices in this and be like, no, this is how we use it, and this is how we would like it to be used. And then I think that stuff that would be that'd be very very instrumental to the future of how all this works, where it will head, um, and then how it's going to be used by creatives that that are on this planet far after we're gone. So, um, you know, it's it's really, really exciting, uh, but also still a little scary. Yes, it is. And as I thought about my answer to that question, to that same question, you know, my, my knee-jerk answer was, well, the human has an advantage because a human can get out there and promote. And that, as we all know, is, you know, uh, job one when you're launching a book, and that is the difference between a book that sells and a book that doesn't um, in many cases. But then I went down this sci-fi rabbit hole of, well, the AI machine could generate an AI author and that AI author <laughs> could generate all of the same type of promotional content and, you know, respond to interview requests and all kinds of things. So it's just, it's it's crazy when you start thinking about the, the potential. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, um, like, like we've seen, there's, there's like hologram pop stars and stuff that's been around for a while. Or like, think about, think about the gorillas, uh, you know, that, that group, the the thing with that, I mean, it's so cool because there's humans behind it creating all that, but it's like the images are, are these like kind of cartoon things, whatever. Um, but it can be taken to the next level, I think fairly easily, um, right now probably or if not now probably in the very near future just with some tweaks to the algorithm like you said it could, it could create this ai author it could create this whole ai franchise um and it could give this author based on prompts um you know a personality and you know in in its mannerisms and and things that it might do and how it might respond um you know it could be a it, you could give it like all the polish in the world of like um, you know, the most the, the charismatic and the most professional person, or you can make it go the complete opposite end of the spectrum and be like, hey, I want to be like it's, you know, Seth Rogen 
and going out to all these interviews, you know, just blazed out of his mind. And I want you to answer all this. And and that's where it's kind of fascinating because you never know. Like there's there's a lot of room for creativity there. And you're right. But um it I think it's cool. I think it's an awesome toy. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's gonna replace the humans anytime. Um, but also something else that, that I, I thought of too is like I think it helps humans, it, it can help kind of democratize in a way like creations because think about it now like like you got to have access to a lot of education or a lot of other materials books you got to have access a lot of that if you in my opinion want to really maximize writing your styles like um and create things and let's say now you know as long as somebody can go and sit down at a computer they can go down to a library or you know somebody hands in their phone they can get access to the internet access to one of these tools Somebody that doesn't have a formal education, can't spell that that well, has no idea, first idea about grammar or anything like that, has never even heard of Ernest Hemingway, never heard of Kurt Vonnegut. If they have an idea, be like, hey, I, I read, you know, I want to write something or I want to create something. They can just with a few prompts, they can do that and they can create something for themselves. So it's cool because, it, it you know. It's this thing that that can be used to amplify the human experience and give voices to to people that we may not have ever got got to hear that voice from, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know. So it's it's fascinating stuff, really. Um, And it's I think the the use for it is just unlimited. We just got to be very careful with it. Indeed, wise words, and you've given us many of those today. So thank you so much for digging into the world of AI with us. Do you have any parting advice for especially those authors who are tinkering with AI or considering the role it might play in their work? Yeah, for sure. I say if you are interested in your work being able to get a copyright, which I I think you should go and speak to a lawyer about it or easily look up all the benefits and advantages of having a copyright on your work. Um, There's a lot. It's worth it. Let it generate ideas. You could even have it generate passages and characters if you want, like we talked earlier. But I, I just would encourage people to not stop there. I don't think the machine can actually create and and draft and imitate human connection and human, the soul and empathy. And so I say, take that stuff, put your own creative element on top of it, you know, give it a voice, give it this new meaning, this new idea and spin that only you can put on it, that no machine can replicate, that no other human, you know, I think we all got this unique voice, like nobody... Nobody will ever actually create the exact same thing, the same scenario, you know, and, and I think it'd be neat. And I think the world needs that. The world needs your input as a person, as an individual. So take it, do whatever you want, get ideas, but man, put your own special sauce on there and, uh, and give the world that gift. I love it. Thanks, Guy. We appreciate your time today. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate it and I'm honored. That's it for our episode today with Guy. We hope you enjoyed learning about copyright and AI. For notes and resources from today's show, go to greenleafbookgroup.com slash episode 83. You can also find advice for writing, publishing, and promoting your work in my book, Ideas, Influence, and Income, which you can learn more about at ideasinfluenceandincome.com. A big thank you to Madison Johnson, who produces the published podcast. Thank you for your support. And we will be back with another episode on the last Tuesday of next month. 